Welcome to the Mid the Pines podcast, a place where Grove City College alumni and faculty give voice to their unique stories, contributions, and accomplishments. Our community is blessed with many individuals who are often recognized for their proficiency, purpose, and principles, all celebrated hallmarks of the distinctive Grove City College education. Learn more about their God-given callings and the work they are undertaking for the common good. These are their personal and professional stories. This is Joni Baumgartner from Grove City College. I'm excited to be here today with alumna Kathy Hunt from the class of 1991. She's also known as Kitchen Cat. She's a professional writer, blogger, a trained chef, a cooking class instructor, and a lecturer. She's a lifetime learner with two master's degrees and culinary school, rounding out her college degree at Grove City. She has accomplished all of this while also being a consummate world traveler, having visited 51 countries and six continents. She's just launched her third book, the second cookbook that she's authored. It's titled Luscious, Tender, Juicy, Recipes for Perfect Texture in Dinners, Desserts, and More. I don't know about you, but this makes me hungry. Kathy, it's a great pleasure to welcome you to the Mid the Pines podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm just so flattered and honored to be here. So, and I can't wait to start talking about some food and also writing. Uh, amazing. Well, let's dive right in. Uh, Kathy, your major here at Grove City College was social studies and secondary education. But mm -hmm. I noticed that instead of becoming a high school history teacher, you started writing about food. How did you get started on that journey? I had always wanted to be a writer um, from a very young age. Um, I had been interested and it was really reading Harriet the Spy as a young girl in either the second or third grade. I was a very precocious reader, so it was a little early to be reading that, but I just loved the idea of someone being able to walk around and take notes about people. And I don't recall now if Harriet actually wrote stories, but that was my intention was to write stories. Um, but unfortunately, I grew up in a, in a more traditional family. My parents were two generations older than I. They were in their 40s when I was born, and they had a very traditional attitude about what one took when, as a woman and writing was not a career that a woman chose to go into. Um, a woman should go into teaching. So that was how I ended up majoring in um, secondary ed social sciences. But I also had um, another major, which was history, because I knew that history would give me a good foundation for eventually going to journalism school, which was what I was able to do after getting another master's degree in a different field. So, um, but nonetheless, the eye on the prize was the getting the graduate degree in journalism and pursuing that lifelong dream of writing for a living. That's amazing. So it sounds like you ultimately convinced your parents uh, to well, go along with your goals. <laughs> well, well, it, it took a while. And I will say I was older um, when I got my second graduate degree. Um, I went to Columbia University's Graduate School of Journalism, which at the time, um, 20 years ago, was considered the journalism school to go to. And uh, I did use the background in history, certainly as a foundation. And um, certainly as a student at Grove City, I felt that I had been very prepared to enter a graduate program. And um, in terms of writing about food, that, that was sort of just a lucky coincidence. When I, I finished the uh, program at Columbia, I had intended on doing uh, more international reporting because I do have this passion for travel and world politics and world cultures. 
Um, but unfortunately, there was an illness in my family. So instead of leaping right into a job, I ended up moving back to my hometown of Newcastle and caring um, for my uncle. And then during that time, I started freelancing and um, met a, another writer who was very taken with my writing style. And she happened to be a food writer. And um, on a whim, she suggested I get in touch with her editor. And that was how I started writing about food. It was something that I'd always been interested in. Um, I had a mom who really, uh, although she wanted me to be a teacher, she did not want me to learn how to cook, which was uh, you know, certainly a more traditional female role. But she'd always said, you know, if you learn how to cook, you'll be doing it your whole life. Don't learn how to cook because she hated cooking <laughs> and she did it her whole life for our family. Um, so in a way, you know, I did this as sort of an act of rebellion, learning how to cook and then ending up <laughs> writing about cooking was sort of my little, I got you back, mom. <laughs> you know? That's great that you have arrived at a love of cooking then uh, quite yes. naturally on your own. <laughs> exactly. <great>. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's wonderful. And so I read about you that the first couple of books that you've written were really based around seafood. So your first book was called Fish Market. Mm -hmm. And then you also wrote the nonfiction food history about herring of all things. I found that intriguing, herring, a global history. So in your new book that I mentioned at the, the top of the podcast here, Luscious, Tender, Juicy, uh, how did you go from fish to really branching out and talking about a lot of different foods in this cookbook? Um, from 2006 to um, about 2017, I worked as a nationally syndicated food writer, um, first for the Tribune Company and then for Reuters, Sester Daily. So as a food writer, um, one always has to create so many recipes to accompany the articles. So I already had a stockpile of recipes. That was one thing. And it wasn't just on seafood, although I am very um, passionate about seafood and sustainable seafood. But um, it really, this book came out of teaching cooking classes. And I started teaching cooking classes in 2013. Um, I'd attended the Culinary Institute of America after graduating from Columbia. Um, it, and it was before I'd started food writing. I just wanted to expand my knowledge of cooking and become a better cook. I did not think I would be a chef. But nonetheless, um, the training that I got at the CIA enabled me to write recipes for a myriad of um, foods and courses of food. And in terms of how I ended up writing a book about um, moist cooking and luscious, tender, juicy, I um, was teaching a class and, uh, and it was a class of young students. And I mentioned how we want our dish to be moist. We don't want it to be soggy. You know, it just has to have that right moist consistency. And when I said the term moist the first time, the reaction was so visceral and so the girls were so aghast. Ooh, moist. Ooh, that's the grossest word. And just that reaction, plus um, one of the mothers was in the class and she said, Kathy, I think that should be your next book. People are going to want to, you know, pick up this book that talks about something that people either dread or are kind of intrigued by. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized, yeah, that, that's a nice hook, but it also is something that's really essential to our appreciation of food. You don't want a cake that's dry. You don't want a um, piece of fried chicken that's kind of soppy or too greasy. You want it to be moist. And that's what I really decided um, to focus on, moist heat cooking and bringing moisture into our food and making also people appreciate that term moist. 
And I will say my publisher did not love the term moist. So it became <laughs> luscious, tender, juicy. They felt that was a little too risque to call it moist or too titillating. So they picked something that I think is equally risque and titillating, but nonetheless, it's not the term moist. So. <laughs> And earlier you did mention um, about this passion that you have for for other cultures, for travel, for mm -hmm. um, global politics, as you said. And so I was curious how um, that part of you and, and your personality and just how you're wired uh, with regard to that, how that has um, really informed and, um, you know, shaped your approach to food and writing. Um, I believe that you had mentioned to me before we started recording that you had some friends at Grove City College that really added to this part of your life in a big way. Can you share a little bit about that? I'd be delighted to. Um, and, and I will back up by saying um, I grew up in Newcastle, PA, a half hour away from Grove City. And it was a fairly ethnically diverse area. Um, a lot of Italian-Americans. My best friend from childhood was first-generation Greek-American, lots of Polish um, kids in my class. And I was very fascinated by the foods that their families would cook when I would go over to their homes. And I was interested in finding out how to make them and you know, sort of the cultural background on each piece. But then um, when I went to Grove City, um, I befriended a boy from Bangladesh. Um, I had another friend from Taiwan and um, a friend from India. And I, I likewise, when I was in high school, had a friend from India. So talking to them, um, having them share food with me. And in the case of my friend from Bangladesh, um, because I took education, I did student teaching at Grove City High School. Um, I was a history, secondary education, social science majors, as you'd mentioned, and I had a world cultures class and he came into my class and talked about Bangladesh, Bangladeshi food. Um, and it was just such a wonderful experience and seeing um, the kids in the class, their eyes you know, light up over these different traditions that go with food and cooking and eating that um, yeah, I, so I did find that my experience at Grove City, the people whom I met really furthered my interest in cooking and also visiting the countries where these great dishes were being made. Well, what was your first opportunity to travel abroad? I'm curious if that was very, like during your time in college or close after graduation or when was that um, for you? It was, it, it was after graduation um, and I went to the UK. As a child, I grew up watching Masterpiece Theater and I was a child of the 80s. So I listened to a lot of English punk music. So I <laughs> idolized London. I, I That was the first trip I thought, you know, if I'm going to travel, I have to go there and experience um, mushy peas and the high teas and all the fish dishes. And, you know, English cuisine gets such a bad rap, but I found that it was actually quite lovely, um, especially if you look more towards the home cooking end. And now, of course, if you go to the UK, it's a lot of hope cuisine, you know, very in innovative chefs at this day and age. But so that was my very first country. And then it was followed very quickly um, going to Europe, going to Central America, um, and then going to Asia and, and getting to go to India, which was a, a lifelong dream of mine, as well as getting to go to Egypt, where uh, as a child studying the Egyptian culture, it was just so extraordinary to be able to see the Sphinx, go to Luxor, see Abu Simbel, and to eat all of these wonderful foods. Um, and, and they're not as meat dependent at times. And so, you know, just getting to get these unusual dishes that I would not have ever experienced had I not been able to travel. Right. 
I'm just sitting here listening to you, you know, recount these amazing countries that you have visited. And in my mind, I'm seeing pictures in my head of pyramids <laughs> and rainforests and uh, produce markets in these exotic locations. And I know that that must have been an amazing thing for you to be able to bring home photographs from yes. those places. And I know you've, you've shared that you have had an interest in photography. So I'm wondering how you've helped those two worlds collide as well with photography and then with your uh, food writing in particular. Um, have you been able to use your own photography in your cookbooks too? Yes, I have, especially um, in Luscious, Tender, Juicy. I did all of the photography except for a very small number of images that are in the book. And Herring, A Global History, which is about the world's smallest but most impactful fish, um, I was likewise able to visit um, different countries and take photographs of, um, in the case of Scandinavia, I went to Skane, which is at the very utmost top of Denmark, and visit with fishermen, um, be with them as they unloaded their catches and auctioned off the fish. So um, yeah, it's photography. I have always had a passion for that. And actually it really took off when I was at Grove City. I was able to save up enough money by working as a library supervisor to buy my first camera and uh, eventually was developing film <laughs> very in my closet. So I, I just, uh, really look at Grove City as my time where I could start exploring that passion for photography. That's amazing. So in the new, newest cookbook, the Luscious Tender Juicy Cookbook, um, are any of your photographs featured at that in that publication? Yes, yes, um, yes. Um, I would say 90% of, of the images in there I shot. Um, there are just a handful that were not taken by me. And, and usually those are the ones in which I am featured. And that's just in the beginning of the book where it's showing um, me in Vietnam, uh, visiting a coconut plantation or, you know, going to a market or cooking. Um, there's a, a picture of me cooking in Cambodia too. So yes, but otherwise I've taken the images. That's amazing. Gosh, thank you're, you. you're a multi-talented <laughs> woman. Well, well thank uh, you. Thank you. Absolutely. That, you know, I do think that photojournalism and journalism kind of go hand in hand. And when I was at graduate journalism school, I did take a photojournalism class as well. And went, um, you know, it's just amazing what you can capture in an image that sometimes would take you an entire page to describe. So that's right. You know, and it's difficult in this podcast to capture one person and the complexities that they have about them in, in such a short period of time. But uh, thus far, we've been really enjoying getting to know Kathy Hunt from the class of 1991. And we will be right back. All roads lead home for homecoming 2022. Mark your calendar now for September 30th through October 2nd and plan to hit the road to come back home for the most anticipated alumni event of the year. We'll be celebrating class reunions for the alumni who have graduated in the years ending in twos or sevens. We'll also be celebrating some Greek reunions, the 105th reunion for the Zeta Zeta Zetas, the 100th reunion for Beta Sigma, the 75th reunion for Alpha Beta Tau, and the 75th reunion for Omicron Xi. Make your hotel reservation today and check out all the details at alumni.gcc.edu slash homecoming. We look forward to having you on campus at home this fall. 
It is a pleasure being back here with Kathy Hunt, class of 1991. We've been chatting about her career as a writer and um, the cooking and traveling that she's done in her life. Uh, we've been talking about her cookbook, um, the most recent one called Luscious, Tender, Juicy, Recipes for Perfect Texture in Dinners, Desserts, and More. And we, we paused a moment ago talking about traveling and uh, photography and her interest in that. Um, Kathy, I know that you have visited 51 countries. I'm amazed by that, number one. But I have to ask, which one has been your favorite to travel to? Wow. You know, I hate to have a favorite. I, I'm really partial to the UK and London because of that childhood passion for the UK. Um, but likewise, Scandinavia, um, the city of Copenhagen in Denmark is just a magical city. And I, I've been there three times and I could go back there again at least three more times. Um, but likewise, uh, India holds a soft spot in my heart. I've been there twice as well. Um, and Vietnam, my husband's stepfather is Vietnamese and I had the distinct pleasure of being there twice with his family, uh, my, my husband's stepfather's family, and getting to cook with the women of his family and um, have fresh seafood caught in a pond in front of their home. And then it's the seafood was taken inside, it was shrimp, and it was put on top of a stove that was fueled by coconuts. And to me, wow, I mean, talk about a, a different cultural experience and an extraordinary home cooked food. So. Um, I, I would say I don't really have a favorite, but I am partial to a few countries. Oh, it sounds like it. And boy, does does that dish sound amazing. I'm sure it yeah, was it, very flavorful. <laughs> yes. And, yeah, and very, very fresh since it was right out of that pond. That's right. Well, tell me about what trip you might have planned next. Are you going anywhere exciting soon? Um, well, I'm eyeing some airfare to Iceland. Um, my husband and I have been there, and my husband is also a Grove City um, alumnus. Uh, he was in the engineering program at Grove City and also a 91 grad. But he and I are both eyeing um, airfare to Iceland that you could then fly on to another part of Europe. Uh, this would be our fourth trip to Iceland. We were very fortunate to travel um, during the pandemic. Uh, we went to Iceland this past spr uh, spring 2021. And uh, we love hiking. We love the natural beauty. Uh, I, of course, love the seafood and the wildlife. So uh, that might be our next trip where we go to Iceland and then go on to Norway, which is a country we, we had visited, but um, only visited during a layover, only went to Oslo. And I'd certainly love to explore that country a bit more. Well, that sounds amazing. So I have to wonder, how do you do it all? You've, you've globe trotted, you've, you know, managed to acquire uh, master's degrees and not just one, but two and culinary school on top of that. So I'm just curious, like how, how all of that has unfolded in your life? How have you made time to do what you're passionate about doing? You know, I, I will say, I feel that I have been extremely fortunate. And um, I think I also am genetically um predisposed to be a traveler. Um, my maternal grandfather um, was a mining and civil engineer and he lived in Veracruz, Mexico. And, and remember that my, my parents were born in the 1920s. So my grandfather was born at the turn of the 20th. Well, he was still born in the 19th century. So, you know, older folks that, um, but really had the passion for traveling. So I feel that I was genetically predisposed and able to, to combine my career um, and being able to work remotely from different countries. Um, my husband and I spent a month traveling through Australia and New Zealand, and I was able to work on all my assignments remotely. So to me, you know, it's, I, I'm able to strike that balance and I'm able to do what I love and uh, 
sometimes parlay what we're traveling and trying into articles as well. Well, that's great. So tell me a little bit more since you've touched on that. Tell me a little bit more about your current career. I've mentioned that you've written cookbooks, but you do a mm-hmm. lot more writing than that. Sure. Um, I, I, I want to encourage anyone, first off, who is interested in pursuing a full-time career in writing to be resilient and to be perseverant. Um, you are going to get rejections when you first start out. You're going to have to pitch stories um, to as many publications as possible, whether they be online or in print. And I don't earn a living just from writing books or writing about food. Um, I also work as a STEM writer, um, science, you know, technology, engineering, and math. Uh, for an engineering journal, um, I cover business-to-business stories. I also write profiles for various publications, and um, I, I just really encourage anyone: don't ever turn down an assignment unless it's just an impossible assignment for you to cover, um, and just keep plugging at it. So for me, that's that's really been how I've been able to manage becoming a full-time writer because this is what I do full-time. I don't have a secondary job and uh, it's kind of a little known secret about many writers, even the ones that seem fairly successful, they have a day job usually, whether it be teaching in a high school, teaching at a college, or just doing something completely unrelated to um, writing in order to support themselves until they get to that level of um, James Patterson, et cetera. And many writers don't get to that level, but nonetheless, um, so you, you have to wear a lot of different hats and be willing to be versatile and be willing to persevere and be resilient when you get that rejection letter. Just know for every rejection letter, eventually there will be an acceptance letter. That's right. And it sounds like too, that the the thing that you have fallen, not fallen back on, but the thing that you have turned to sort of as the, um, the side of your career that helps to supplement the writing um, is your passion for cooking. Cause you've said that you've also, yeah. you know, with your culinary school attendance and just the training that you've received, you have also taught cooking classes. Tell me a little bit about how you've yes. done that. Yeah, that, that, that came out of um, the 2013 book fish market. I started teaching cooking classes first at private cooking, cooking schools, as well as places like William Sonoma and Sir Latab. And um, my husband and I, um, I, this will date me in my age, but I say we have a green acres lifestyle. We have a little apartment in New York from where I went to grad school. And then we also have a farmhouse from 1801 that we are still restoring after all these years, but it's a great venue. It's a fantastic kitchen to do cooking classes. And so when in 2013, when Fish Market came out, I started teaching these cooking classes at home too. Um, And then when the pandemic hit in July, 2020, I, yeah, t- July 2020, I started teaching the classes virtually. I haven't shifted back to in-person. Um, I'm finding virtual classes are great because you don't have to be in southeastern Pennsylvania, which is where our farmhouse is. You can be anywhere in the U.S. and hop on a cooking class with me. So at this point, um, it, until things really change a lot, um, we're just I'm sticking with the virtual classes. So anybody who wants to hop on, just look at my website and uh, you can certainly take a cooking class with me, too. That's right. And your website is kitchencat.com, correct? Correct. Yes, that's cat, right. Cat with a K. So kitchencat.com. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah. you did bring up your farmhouse too. So I'm extra impressed now because not only are you a writer and you're a traveler and lecturer <laughs> and teacher, and you have all these, these wonderful, you know, pathways in your career, but you also do DIY home flipping. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I, I think HGTV needs to, to sign you up. <laughs> 
Oh, you know, I, I, um, I, I'm laughing at that because we are, are currently doing bathroom renovations due to a leak because our plumbing is 93 oh, no. years old. That was the last time the plumbing, <laughs> the bathroom was renovated. And uh, I, I really struggle more with the design part of it. I'm pretty good with DIY, but design is where I struggle. So, but um, gotcha. we're, we're, we are not flipping. We are going to keep this for as long as we can. It's, it's just, oh, uh, that's great. it was something that we had a shared passion for old farmhouses and we were very fortunate to find find one so well it sounds like such an interesting project to to complement yeah. all of your other ones that you have thank you thank you yeah, yeah we're not, we have a lot of idle time and we both like it that way so. no that's great well and speaking of projects um what is on the horizon for you? you you've just launched this newest cookbook and I'm sure that's taking some of your time just promoting that yes. um, but what's next so I am, um, I, I just started working on another book. Um, it's not a cookbook and I, I won't get too involved I, I, about it, right, into it right now. But um, yeah, I'm very excited to be starting another book. Um, I am contracted or signed to write a second book for Countryman Press. So perhaps this will be the book. Um, and I have an idea for a nonfiction food oriented book as well. So we, we will see which one comes out first. So. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Well, Kathy, it has been such a joy to to talk with you and get to hear a little bit about your life. Um, in this podcast, our goal is to tell alumni stories, to tell what you've done with your education and beyond and how you've made an impact in the world. So thank you for taking these few minutes with me today. Uh, we definitely look forward to hearing more from you soon and great success uh, with your book that you've just launched. And I advise everybody to go buy a copy of it. It's on Amazon. And check out uh, Kathy's website again, kitchencat.com. Thank you so much, Kathy. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you, too. It's really been lovely. Home is where everything begins. Thank you for listening to the Mid the Pines podcast. Explore more episodes at alumni.gcc.edu slash podcast. Our co-producers are Joni Baumgartner and Amy Evans. Research provided by Janice Zinsner Inman, class of 1987. Audio editing is provided by Jennifer Hiles. Our theme music is Home, courtesy of the family of the late David M. Bailey, class of 1988. Contact us at alumni at gcc.edu for more information. We hope you'll join us again, Mid the Pines.